Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of CrazyPerfectLife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day, and author of the book, Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver. But more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Hey, you know, we have a very interesting and deep topic today. I think that when Dara and I first started talking about this, we both had ideas of what we wanted to talk about. And last night, I decided to change it up a little bit. And I just told Dara this before we started recording. So Dara's going to have to go off the cuff. And I am a little bit as well. But we're actually going to talk about negative feelings when you've been diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, obviously this works with any severe or extreme diagnosis or situation that you have in your life. But, you know, it is really common for people who have been diagnosed with a difficult disease to feel some feelings that they probably, they're, they're not used to feeling, and they might actually be a little bit ashamed of feeling them. Yeah. I mean, I think negative emotions, that's just, unfortunately, it's part of life. And so it doesn't really matter, even if you haven't been someone who's been diagnosed with something scary or have a family member that's been through something, we all experience negative emotions every single, really, I mean, definitely every week, I think people can kind of go through feelings of maybe anger or fear or self-doubt or just all of those different types of emotions. So this episode, I think, will help everyone or anyone who has experienced that. So the biggies, obviously, are going to be things like anger, anxiety. Depression. Depression. Maybe maybe guilt. Let's let's list them all. Yeah, like anger, anxiety, depression, guilt, fear. Denial. Yeah, that's a good one. Self-doubt. That's a big one. Loneliness. Ooh, that is a good one. Hmm. Yeah, and so all of those feelings even bring on more feelings. So if you're feeling anxious, that doesn't feel good. You're probably, they say anxiety and depression actually run hand in hand. So if you're feeling one of those, it's probably likely that you're experiencing more of those. So I think one of the other things to think about is a lot of these emotions, they're going to feed on themselves. Exactly. And you're going to go into this like cascade failure of, hey, I'm I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm angry, I'm afraid, I'm lonely because nobody I know has this or nobody I know has had to deal with this. Nobody wants to be with me, right? Nobody understands. So not only are you then having to deal with whatever you're feeling, you're also having to deal with whatever it is that's causing you to feel that way. So then you have really two situations there. One is, how do I manage my emotions? And the other is, how do I get through the situation? How do I deal with that? The first thing to recognize is you almost have to look at yourself in the mirror, look yourself in the eye and say, this isn't my fault. Yeah, that's a good one. I know I'm the first person in my immediate family that has had a serious cancer diagnosis. You know, it's not even like that there was a family history. And not that I might have been able to do anything about it anyway, if there was, but you know, there's nothing that I did most likely 
that caused kidney cancer to start in my body. And I think that people have this innate fear of, oh, you know, if I had only eaten more broccoli, or if only I hadn't done this or whatever, that look, you know, there are absolutely contributing factors to cancer. But we, it's because we like to know, we want to Right, we want right. to know that cause. Because we want to know the cause, yeah. And, 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 and even if, by the way, even if we knew the cause, we haven't invented the time travel machines yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we want to know why. We're so used to knowing why. Why does this happen? Why am I doing this? So why did I get cancer? And I think a lot of times we have to just accept. And I think acceptance is really a big part of making peace with the whole thing, that it just is what it is. It doesn't even really matter why you got cancer. The important thing is, okay, now that you know, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to help yourself? What right. are you going to do to deal with the way you're feeling? And part of that is probably going to be, um, I, th I think this is a topic more for the end of our podcast, but I read an article a while ago and I really gravitated to one particular sentence in the article, which was, hey, I'm the CEO of my brain. Yeah. And, <laughs> our thoughts matter. They absolutely 100% matter. And a lot of times we have negative thoughts, but we don't even realize that we're having negative thoughts. We don't realize that we're kind of staying in that, maybe that cycle of telling ourselves negative things. Or a lot of times we don't even realize that we're feeling badly or we're feeling anxious or scared or depressed or lonely because we've gotten used to feeling that way. And so you, you definitely 100% have to be aware of how you're feeling, how you're talking to yourself. And then you have to be willing to move yourself out of that space after you've kind of wallowed in that for a little while. Right. And I and, think and you need to definitely stay there for a little while. Absolutely. And, and I don't ever want somebody to deny their feelings, but you can control when you're going to focus on those feelings. I think that if you're angry or if you're overwhelmed, part of me says you should embrace it, but yeah. you have to choose when. 100% embrace it. I mean, you know, telling yourself I shouldn't be feeling this way isn't going to help. It's just going to make you feel guilty about feeling that way. And then you're going to feel worse. And then, you know, it's like if someone says, Dara, don't do this. Well, then I'm probably more likely to do it just because they told me not to do it. So if you tell yourself, don't feel angry, I shouldn't be feeling angry. That's probably going to make you really angry because um, it's not helping. So I would say definitely own how you're feeling and don't judge yourself for feeling the way you're feeling. Right. Since you talked about anger, I think anger is one of those things that you absolutely need to work through. Newsflash, you are not capable of working through it by yourself. Well, let's talk about some tools to help people deal with maybe some of these feelings that they find themselves having and they don't know what to do. Sure. You name a okay. feeling and I'll give you my tool and then you can talk about okay. your tool. All right. So let's start with anger, right? Okay. I think anger is, for me, the first thing I did was I talked to my parish priest. Okay. And did that help? You know, what was interesting is he asked me. So I was talking with him and he said, hey, are you angry with God? And I sat there and I thought, oh, how do I answer this question? Right. I'm in the parish priest's office. Honestly, it, how you answer it though. Right, right. And I'm like, if I say no, I'm not angry with God because, you know, you don't want to be angry with God. I'm I lying. God. 
Yeah. But if I say yes, then I feel like I'm committing blasphemy. <laughs> and so I started to, I could feel the tears welling up in my eyes. And Father Dan said, you know, it's, it's actually really okay to be angry with God. He's got big shoulders and he can handle it. Mm, that's beautiful. And I thought, okay. So he was really the, the first person that kind of gave me permission to feel this anger. Yeah, you have to even just give yourself permission. So if you're feeling angry about something, we are giving you permission right now to feel however you're feeling in a non-judgmental manner. Yep. But what I also recognized from that conversation was that that anger was bleeding into other areas of my life. And then I probably wasn't being healthy by keeping it inside. I and love that you made a thought. And so I started seeing a counselor. I love that you figured that out. I would say for me, if I'm feeling really angry, even now, like today, or just in general, if something happens and I'm feeling angry, exercise is really the first place that I want to go with my anger. So that means maybe I, and it just depends on whatever it is, but I might take a long walk or I might go downstairs in my little yoga space and turn on some music and just dance it out, like literally dance out my anger. And I know that might sound silly, but it really works if you stop caring about what you look like and nobody's around to see you and you literally just kind of think about it. I just try to move through it. That just always helps me. Moving my body is probably the first place that I go when I and feeling angry. I like that too. And especially if you are in a position where you can work out and kind of make your body tired, yeah. it is going to be more difficult to be, to hold on to that anger. I think the worst thing you can do with all of these negative emotions is just to kind of sit in them and let them fester. So I think figuring out what works for you and doing it and moving it, not feeling guilty about feeling whatever you're feeling, but recognizing that you want to move through it. You want to help yourself make peace with it or just feel better so that you can kind of change your perspective a little bit. Okay. So here's my emotion. Okay. And, and then you have to give your first, okay. all right. So we'll, we'll just go back and forth sure. like this. Loneliness. Yeah. Um, I have to be really honest with you. Fortunately, I'm really thankful for this. I'm never lonely um, <laughs> because A, I just really like, I like being by myself and I have a lot of different things that I like, I guess, I don't know. I feel like with social media and just the reach that we all have in the world, I just don't feel like that's something that I ever feel. And I have my daughters. If I'm feeling lonely, I'll give them a call or I'll text them. But I don't know. I feel really fortunate. If someone is lonely and they are feeling that, then I would say figure out like a place that you enjoy going and put yourself out there. So for example, if you are interested in art, then maybe take an art class and try to meet other people that have that same interest. And we've talked about this before. If you're interested in going to church and that's a place that you get a lot of peace, then maybe start going more regularly and reach out to people that are in that space. So I think if, you've, if you're feeling lonely and you don't wanna be lonely anymore, I know it's easier said than done, but you have to be willing to kind of figure out something to help yourself. I'll give a quick plug to a, a place locally here, RVA Wellness Center. I was talking with them last week about kind of doing like an art class for cancer patients. Mm, nice. Right. So something really casual 
but and inviting and welcoming. But to say to those cancer patients in the community, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to get together. And we're going to paint a bunch of crap and see mm-hmm. see what happens. But again, it's just about being together, right? Getting some community built up. And I think you know what's interesting for me is I took chemo by myself basically for four and a half years, and now I've been going to this other type of treatment, and I go in once a month. And so the dynamic is different. Right. So I would take the chemo at home and I was always surrounded by my family. Now I'm going and I've noticed for the first time that there are a lot of patients in the chemo waiting room that are by themselves. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely, I feel like I've said this before somewhere, but most people don't have a clue what goes on in a chemo room. And if you don't consider yourself very lucky because there's nothing that really separates people from being inside of the chemo room and people being outside than a lot of luck. But, um, it is definitely, it's a sobering place to be, to see. And there are a lot of people that do it by themselves because they, they don't have any, maybe they don't have any family that, that live close by, or they don't want to inconvenience someone. And they, well, so I, for the first time just last week went to chemo by myself Right. That's right. And Lisa had to work. It was just, it was a really bad schedule because of the holidays. Everything was backed up. Lisa had to work. I couldn't move the chemo appointment without moving out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would have, I would have been an extra 10 days and you know what? I kind of want my stuff on time. Yeah, of course you do. And um, that feel like, did you feel, did it feel weird? So it, I, I was actually really, I was concerned about being weirded out and being lonely and having all of these feelings because the last time I went to a set of doctor's appointments by myself, it did not go well. I was very overwhelmed. I literally broke down in tears as I was driving home. And I actually had to pull over on the side of the road and compose myself because I was not going to be a good driver. And so I I was sitting there and I took the time to, I had planned, right? So I made sure that I had good music on my phone. I made sure that there was a video on my phone if I wanted to watch it. I made sure that there was a game on my phone. I brought things to read and to draw. And you know what? As it turned out, I was okay, but I think it was because I set myself up for success. Well, that was good. I would not want to do that every time by myself. Look, I also have to fully disclose, I feel okay during the chemo. My arm gets a little cold, but I don't feel, there's, you know, I'm perfectly fine and perfectly normal during that process and even coming home. But if the situation ever presents itself again, I will ask every single friend of mine if they are able to go up with me. Yeah. And I think most people would be happy to take you. And so I think a lot of times people just don't want to ask for help. That's a big thing. But if you are feeling lonely and you are feeling like you don't want to have to do something by yourself, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, Hey, look, you know what? I don't, I don't want to inconvenience you, but blah, blah, blah. Most of the time people in your life are going to be happy to help you. And, you know, think about it this way. You would probably do it for someone else and you wouldn't mind if someone asked you. I would be honored if somebody asked me. Like, exactly. like I, I would feel like that our friendship was deep enough that they were able to open up and, and admit that they needed a little bit of help. And I would be there in a heartbeat. Plus, and, and I say this a lot, um, one of the things that I've discovered over the course of the last seven years is that the more I help people who are in need, the less I think about my crappy cancer. Yeah, absolutely. So what's another 
because this is a really heavy topic. I want to make sure that we're ending on a, on positive notes. And so I think we should flip it because look, we, we've all talked about like the different types of negative emotions that you have, but how are some ways that we can cope with these? Let's talk about some things that we haven't necessarily talked about. Well, I feel like the biggest way to help myself deal with whatever it is I'm dealing with and however I'm feeling, if it's a negative emotion, is to go back to gratitude always. Instead of thinking about what isn't working well or how I don't like how I'm feeling, to kind of flip it and think about what is working and to count my blessings. And, you know, we've talked about having a gratitude practice so many times on this podcast because it is so important. And, you know, I was speaking at a group actually this week and I was shocked because I said how many people, and it was a different topic, but the word gratitude did come up and I said, you know, how many people have a gratitude practice nobody raised their hand. And I was shocked because I feel like it's a word that everyone talks about now. You know, you hear it all the time, but if you don't have a gratitude practice, if you don't wake up every day or before you go to bed, or even just take a moment throughout your day to list out or think about three to five things that you're thankful for in your life, I strongly encourage you to take this opportunity to kind of move forward with that practice because it really will change your mindset each day. I think that having a gratitude practice is the single best thing that you can do to help shift your outlook. A hundred percent. We don't have to be thankful for these big things, right? Yeah, exactly. It can be, hey, I, um, you know, here's one thing that I'm really grateful for. For the longest time, I wasn't able to drink coffee because the coffee as we brew it is very bitter and the bitter flavor in my mouth was accentuated because of my chemo. But guess what? I learned a different way to make coffee and it's smooth and it's rich and mm. it's just delicious. And so even if that's the one thing that I think about in the morning as I sip this smooth, delicious coffee, I've started to flip that switch in my head to start thinking about things that I'm grateful for. And I know, again, this isn't for everybody, but I got a new dog. And you know what she does first thing every morning? She climbs on top of me and licks my face. <laughs> and she just wants to be close to me after not seeing me for eight or 10 hours or however long she has slept. Again, I'm grateful for that. So you want to pick a couple of small things, but also just make sure you're reinforcing them. Yeah. Like you said, it doesn't have to be the big things. I remember when I was first learning how to bring gratitude into my life, I was in the middle of going through chemo and I was not feeling good. I was not the happy dar that you hear or see today. And I was in bed watching Mad Men a lot, feeling terrible. And I remember when I first started, I would say, I'm grateful for Mad Men. <laughs> I'm grateful for Netflix. I'm grateful for popsicles. So it's not the big, I'm grateful for my family and my life. And of course, those are so important and to count your blessings for those things. But it really is the little things as well. There's another thing that we can talk about on different coping mechanisms and things to move towards a positive viewpoint in your life. Back in the 80s, there was like this business saying, you know, fake it till you make it. I actually don't think that that is a good thing for a cancer patient. I think that if you are having a bad day. To own it. Just to absolutely. Say. Yeah. You raise your hands and you say, you know what? I'm having a, I, I used to say this all the time. I, I, I'm having a cancer day. Yeah. This sucks. I 
yeah, I think that's great. You know how when kids are really young and you're kind of trying to teach them to use their words and they might have a temper tantrum and they might be on the floor kicking and screaming because they don't know how to communicate their feelings. And then you say, use your words. How are you feeling? Say, I am angry. I think it's really powerful for adults to do the same thing, to say, you know what, I am feeling really angry or however you're feeling. And you can even scream it and you can, it feels so good to kind of release it, to own it, to acknowledge how you're feeling and then, you know, scream it out, write it out, dance it out, exercise it out. Just acknowledging it is such an important part of that because I don't think you can kind of move through it if you don't acknowledge how you're feeling. Right. I think you're absolutely doing yourself an injustice if you are faking it. Yeah. And you know, definitely people feel like they have to be tough, right? Like they have to be tough and stoic and I can't let anyone see me sad. I can't let anyone see me cry or I don't want my family to know how I'm feeling. What do you think about that? I think that there are a lot of human bad things that we've kind of developed as a society that lead into that. I'm a man. I'm supposed to be the protector of the family, the provider of the family. We also use words that reinforce that when we talk about somebody who is in treatment for cancer. If we clearly use medical terms in treatment, chemotherapy, radiation, but what do we say around our friends and family? Cancer fight, cancer warrior, right? He's fighting cancer. It's not the same as, oh, he's fighting a cold. Right, right. right? Because, and, I mean, you're, you're, your cold is not as serious as a cancer. That's why. Right. And so the words feed into this, this yeah. battle. Yeah, and and you know what? You know, we've talked about this before, but I hate that terminology because although it is from one perspective a battle, it's not anything that we've ever prepared for. It makes it harder because it reinforces the fact that, hey, you have to be strong. You have, right? And, and there are days that you just don't want to be strong. I love that you said that because I think a lot of people need to hear that. When I was first diagnosed, I fell into that pattern as well. I remember I had surgery. I started a new job about a month after surgery, and it required some significant travel. Mm. And I could barely lift my luggage into the overhead compartment. And I was only traveling for a day or two at a time. So it wasn't like I had this massive suitcase. Wow. Um, but you were, but I can understand because you'd started a new job. It's not like you wanted to say, hey, by the way, thanks for the job. And <laughs> That's right. I'm not going to be able to do it. And so I felt like, oh, I need to be strong. I need to be the man. I, I need to just suck it up and do this. Honestly, I was doing myself and my family and my coworkers and the people around me a disservice for not owning the fact that I actually wasn't upbeat and I wasn't well. But there is that time when you kind of feel like, okay, maybe I'm waking up and I'm not feeling good, but I'm not going to give into it. I'm going to kind of push myself through it a little bit. I'm going to put on a smile and I'm going to try to help myself feel better. I definitely think that that's important as well. Can you hear my dog growling? (laughs) I I can't. I can't. But thanks for bringing it up. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Hey, you know what? We are real in the Thrive Podcast. We do this from our homes. Our dogs show up. (laughs) UPS. Our families pop in. is definitely liking what we're saying. He's got got an opinion on this one. So um, I think, you know, one of the other big things that you can do as you're going through a tough time is, and this is hard. This is really, really hard, and it's going to take a lot of practice. Control what you can control. Mm, Huge. 
there are a lot of things that you are in fact not going to be able to control through a difficult diagnosis. You are going to be thrown into medical terminology and appointments and treatments and blood work and you name it. And so much of that is something that you can't control. You just kind of have to learn and embrace the new process. But here's what you can control. You can set your daily schedule, right? You can set your morning routine, practice some gratitude. You can set your evening routine. You can try to set up these parameters that you are always going to control what you can. But here's the tough part. You have to let go of the stuff that you can't. Yeah, that is such wise and good advice and really hard sometimes because especially if you're in the middle of this situation that you don't want, didn't ask for, don't want to have to be dealing with, it's really hard to kind of let go and accept the fact that this is kind of your life for now. This is where you're, where you are. Look, letting go of things that you can't control. We love, you know, we love to get riled up about the stuff that actually is way beyond our control. And frankly, probably is not all that important in our lives. You know, my, my mom has done something really interesting that I find for a 76 year old woman is an interesting new thing that she has included in her life. And, and it's, it's about this control. So she gets riled up. You know, she is absolutely the type of person who gets angry at the TV and, you know, the newscaster and the weathercaster or whatever. God forbid you're a passenger in her car when somebody cuts her off or doesn't use their turn signal. The, um, the cursing that would come out of her mouth. Good for her. <laughs> well, but she also recognized that those other drivers were not something that she could control. Right. So she was getting, she was allowing herself to get all worked up over something that really wasn't even worth it. Right. And so here's what she started doing. Whenever somebody does something, and, and I'll use her words, idiotic on the road, <laughs> she looks at their car and she says, God loves you. Oh, I love that. So she blesses them instead right. of getting all angry at them. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think that, you know, for me, when I think about all of the things that I can't control and I take it to a really extreme degree, sometimes like I pay attention to what arms I have blood work in and where the chemo was so that the next time I go into the other arm and people always ask, and usually I think what the response is, oh, whatever. But because I always say, I want today's the left arm it enables me to have a conversation with that person because they'll usually ask why. Again, I'm just exerting control where I can. Another thing that I always do before I go to chemo, I make sure that I get a full tank of gas the night before. And I know that's really silly, but I have to drive. It's a two hour round trip to the hospital for me. And I don't wanna have to think about getting gas anytime during that day. So yeah, I think what you're saying is if you're finding yourself in a challenging situation or something that you don't like, or you're dealing with something that you don't want to have to be dealing with, and you don't feel like you have a lot of control, exercise control over what you can sort of do to help yourself. So whether or not that's, you know, you're going to a presentation at work and you're really worried about it, or you're anxious and you don't want to be doing it, prepare, get yourself ready the night before. So, you know, if you're dealing with a physical situation that you don't want to be dealing with, set yourself up to have as much possible success as you can. Help yourself feel as good as you can possibly feel so that when you find yourself in that moment, 
that you're feeling as ready as possible. Right. Visualize and practice. Yeah, I like that. So what is our napkin note for today? I haven't had a lot of napkin notes that really are so deep with, you know, how do you manage negative emotions? Because most of my napkin notes have been fairly upbeat. They're more positive. They're focusing on how do you become more successful or how do you become more compassionate? Not necessarily, hey, you found yourself in a hole. What do you do to get yourself up out of that hole? I always loved this anecdote from the West Wing where somebody found themselves in a hole and couldn't get out. You know, he was yelling to passersby and they just kept ignoring him. And finally, somebody jumps down in. And the guy was like, why did you do this? Why did you jump down here with me? And the guy said, hey, because I've been down in this hole before and I know what it's like and I know how to get out. Mm. And so that is a note that I typically haven't written for Emma, but I finally found one. And I think that this is something I, I have to keep this in mind. And I remind my daughter and my wife about this whenever they start to talk about something negative that has happened in our lives. And it says, Dear Emma, a bad day does not equal a bad life. And I love that so much. It's called basically perspective. Keep it in perspective and remember whatever you're dealing with, this time shall pass, right? I mean, it's, it's, you're going to get through it. It's going to pass. Right. I, I think about this all of the time when I really need to find gratitude is that there are so many people that are less fortunate than where I am. Maybe they don't have as good of access to medical care, or maybe they don't have doctors that know what my doctors know and their treatment program might be more difficult because of that. And I think to myself, Hey, you know what? I can do this for one more day. Absolutely. So that brings me to the thriving tip, which is so simple today. It's Recognize that you have a choice. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, you have a choice in how you can look at it and the way you speak to yourself and the thoughts that you allow yourself to think about whatever it is you're going through. So just recognize that. And I think it'll help you. I love that. Thanks for being here. We will see you next time. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.